Well, see, the plan was for the Bruin football seniors last Saturday at the Rose Bowl to come off the field one final time to a roaring applause, a big win, everybody in a festive mood, and a great lasting impression, a positive impression on the senior class as they wrap up their careers. And ultimately, as a result, helps the fan base validate that there is progression taking place as the team finished off their second season under Chip Kelly. But like this game against Cal, it went sideways. So did this season under Coach Kelly. And with that, I welcome you in to Locked on Bruins. I'm Brian Fenley, your host. I'm on Twitter, at Brian Fenley. I have an email. It is LockedOnBruins at gmail.com. And hit that subscribe button wherever you scarf down your podcast because ultimately, none of this is possible without your support. And I can't thank you enough for your time. So as you might imagine, the basis of this episode is going to focus on senior night at the Rose Bowl last Saturday and what went wrong and ultimately once again our defense was a bit of a letdown and that has been a lingering symptom of this team all season long in fact the last three games of the year we gave up combined 129 points what that amounted to is we finished off the season with a three-game losing streak. We finished off the year 4-8, and eight, only one win better than year one under Chip Kelly when we went 3-9. and nine. So as is human nature, and let me say this, I'm an empath, so I can feel the vibes, the frustration oozing from Bruin football fans. I get it. There is that level of uncertainty. What is next? How do we get this thing going on the right track? What's it going to take? And what probably comes next after that thought crosses your mind is who do we blame for what happened on the field? Because as human nature suggests, we always, if there's something that went wrong, we have a, a tendency to want to finger point. Because that gives people a sense of calmness or a sense of, okay, now we know what it will take to get better. And let me just say this, that what Chip Kelly said after the game against Cal, he said, as far as the defense is concerned, he's not going to talk about perhaps potential changes that are made or whatever people are asking him about. He was not going to say that it was appropriate to talk about that right after the game against Cal. He then said that he is going to deliberate and look at that side of the ball and then make decisions on what he thinks is going to be best for the defense and for the future of the team as they try to resurrect things and get it back to its winning ways. Now, the game on Saturday, 28-18, to 18, we lost. And you're thinking to yourself, okay, 28 points, not as bad as giving up 50 or so points, both to USC and Utah the two weeks prior. But the Bears came into this game with basically the worst offense 
in the Pac-12. From a, a, a scoring side of things to a yardage perspective, it was a team that was defined by their defense. That is what carried them all season long. And so while you say we only gave up 28 points to Cal, I would be cautious not to at least be a little bit concerned because this Cal Bear program had an offense this season that sputtered all year long. And so when you think about the origination of our struggles defensively, this is not something that just showed up the last three games of the season. I think it started last year, maybe even before that. It's been a, a, a symptom of the team for many years and the inability to stop opposing offenses. We saw it at the beginning of this year. And then during that three-game winning streak, the defense got better. And all of the skeptics who were chiding what was going on about the defense, they quieted down a little bit, and there was some hope festering that maybe things were going the right way. That led us to the Utah game, and the Bruins came into that game with a three-game winning streak. Now, I mentioned this on this podcast. I also men mentioned this on the Bruin Insider Show, which is a program I do as a co-host on that airs on the radio in Los Angeles on Tuesdays, where I described Utah as a team that not only beats opponents, but those opponents following losses to Utah seem to not be able to get past that loss and that it affects them in following games. Examples could be Cal or Arizona State, to name a few. And so I was wary and I was very cognizant of the fact that Utah has that power in that from the score, which Utah won with a lopsided win, that it could have an effect on the Bruins' defense to a point where there's a level of trepidation that comes in and a level of second guessing and just you know a very humbling experience and and I almost related to this because as I said it didn't just take place against Utah that stuff kind of bled into the next game and into the next game it's kind of like when somebody tells you that you know you are taken aback by someone who lived rent free in your mind and you know a conflict came up and ultimately, you're doing yourself a disservice, right, by whatever the issue was with that person or that person in general, by keeping them in your mind and propagating that, you're only creating more negativity and you're only hurting yourself more. Ideally, you know, the best thing to do is to be indifferent and to move forward and look past whatever that was easy to be said right not always as easy to be accomplished but for the football team that was kind of the same thing it was like okay you know we had a demoralizing experience with our defense against Utah we've got to regroup 
But the problem was, and this is just my humble opinion because I'm not on the team, you know, and I respect all those guys and what they're trying to do. But it is so hard when you get just demoralized and steamrolled defensively to just all of a sudden forget what just happened and say, okay, I'm going to say out loud that it's not affecting me, but deep down, subconsciously, how can you not think about, wow, you know, that was a tough one. Like, I'm having a really hard time trying to get over that loss. And so what turns into one loss, a team Utah ends up beating you more than once. Because I think that Utah beat the Bruins three times this season. That's just my opinion. And, you know, you obviously have other thoughts to how things went wrong. But I would have to say if there's a way to look at that Utah game, and that is where our defensive growth, it was stunted. And we reverted back to old habits defensively. And unfortunately, that led to us finishing the season on a three-game losing streak. One of my keys to the game was that Joshua Kelly needed to get 100 yards on the ground. He did not, and coming up, I'll tell you why. You know, you really hate it for Joshua Kelly, a guy who is so optimistic, has this perpetual smile on his face. You just wish that he could have finished off his final game as a senior at UCLA with a win. Unfortunately, it did not happen. But despite the loss, Kelly did get to 1,000 yards on the season. And he did it on a move against Cal where he hurtled over a guy. But unfortunately, there were not a lot of highlights other than that of Kelly in this game. And for the second game in a row, as the Bruins finished off the season Kelly finished under 100 yards on the ground it's not his fault I'll say it like that it was not his fault the last two games the opposing teams dominated in the trenches and against Cal you know they have some big guys up front and unfortunately for UCLA in the first quarter of this game against the Bears the Bruins center, Boss Tagaloa, comes out with an injury. And then you got to bring in the walk-on, Sam Marazzo, at the center position. And so, Boss Tagaloa is a senior. He is, you could call, the, the quarterback of the offensive line. And when you don't have a guy like that in, obviously it's going to take its toll on the effectiveness of the offensive line. And a side effect of that is that Joshua Kelly is not going to have the efficiency on the ground that we're prone to seeing. To make matters worse, then you had later in the game, Duke Clemens go down. And he'd been so great, right, the last couple games. He's a, a youngster as well on that offensive line at the left guard spot. So two of your starters coming out of this game for injuries and then you put John Gaines in there and, and look John's a great guy but he knows he's got a lot of work to do you know as far as being at the level that UCLA wants him to be and so when you don't have two of your five guys it's going to leave you 
with just disarray and some miscommunication issues along the offensive line because that five that had to play are just not used to playing with each other. And so, like I said before, that affects Kelly. And you just hate it for him because, as Josh Wood said, the Bruin linebacker coming into this game, the most important thing that he cared about was to see Joshua Kelly leave this field for one final time with a big smile on his face. Now, on the other side of the ball, on Cal's running game, they had one of their best running performances of the season. And Christopher Brown Jr. had 111 yards rushing. He had two touchdowns. He's averaging only 62 rushing yards per game coming into that and coming into that game, and you know Chase Garbers, the quarterback for the Bears, said the offensive line gave him and the rest of his team really good push, and that the pass protection was good. And unfortunately, as I go back to the Bruin offensive line, they gave up five sacks. You know, Dorian Thompson Robinson was backpedaling and getting sacked, and then he was running for his life and going negative yardage back, and he got sacked. And so it all really was a challenge to overcome because of the pass rush that Cal was able to put forth. And then to kind of put it all together and just kind of, I guess, epitomize the struggles with the running game, it all was shown once again at the end of the game, when the Bruins opted to run Demetric Felton in between the tackles on the fourth down play late in the fourth, the Bruins were down by 10, and it was I think it was like at the one or the two-yard line, and Felton got the handoff, and he gets stuffed for a three-yard loss from the two-yard line with less than a minute left. And the Bruins' hopes at that point were axed by Cal, and it was basically a given that UCLA was going to lose. And I was impressed by Darnay Holmes, who got an interception in this game, and he did not. Now, I've mentioned this before. He has technically graduated, and he has another year of eligibility left. He did not come out onto the field pregame like this was his last game. And, you know, a lot of people think that he has NFL aspirations, which he does. But because he did not include himself in the pregame senior ceremony gives you a hint that perhaps he's coming back, which is really big. I think they could really use Darnay Holmes back there and help lead the younger core of guys back there in the secondary as they try to get things in better shape and form over the offseason. But again, I don't want to dote all about the negative because we've got some positives to talk about on the basketball court that we're going to discuss here. The Bruins back from their trip to Maui, and they put on a show. But first, Audible has the world's largest selection of audiobooks and audio entertainment. Start listening with a 30-day Audible trial. Choose one audiobook and two Audible originals absolutely free. Visit audible.com slash locked on NBA. Listening on the go. 
If you can't visit Audible right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On sponsors at LockedOnPodcasts.com slash offers. Well, I think we were all interested to see how the Bruin basketball team was going to respond following the three games in three days that they played at the Maui Invitational earlier last week. The Bruins actually finished in that Maui Invitational last Wednesday. They did not arrive back in Los Angeles until Friday. And then yesterday, UCLA was back on the court playing San Jose State. And so Bruin head coach Mick Cronin said after the game that he did not know what kind of energy level this Bruin team would have because they had been traveling so much and had little time to prep for the Spartans of San Jose State. But the formula did work. The Bruins winning Sunday evening at Pauley Pavilion, 93-64. to And there is one guy right now for the Bruins who has become the biggest surprise, a pleasant surprise. He's a freshman, and he is quickly becoming the identity or the heartbeat of this team. He is becoming the motivating force that everybody else looks up to as to how you get the job done. Jaime Hawkes Jr. This guy, as Mick Cronin said, you just can't take him out of the game. He's playing so well. Finished with 18 points as he continues to add on to his career highs. 18 career po- career high, 18 points, four assists, three rebounds, three steals, only played 20 minutes. And Hawkes in this game was so good defensively. Had a couple steals where he jumped into the passing channels and then zoomed up floor and had a pair of slam dunks in the first half. So really great ball on ball instincts and just so hawkish defensively. And he actually had a in the whole plus minus category, Hawk has finished with a phenomenal plus forty. Mick Cronin again raving about him, saying he does not turn the ball over, does not take bad shots. He doesn't get beat on defense. He is focused at all times and called him a great building block for the team and for this program. I couldn't have said it better myself, and it all seemed to come to fruition. The arrival of Jaime Jaquez during this Maui Invitational trip. And even though the Bruins only went 1-2 and two during that trip, Obviously, beneficial things to take from that, like the emergence of Hawkes Jr. and how he is now becoming an integral part of this team and is just rubbing off on everybody else. San Jose State really did not have a chance in this game. They did not have a lot of size. They were undermanned. There was a stretch in the first half where they went on a scoring drought for eight minutes, so they did not score a field goal in eight minutes. And in that stretch, they had six turnovers. Mick Cronin also was very high on the team's ability to, to distribute the ball in this game. The Bruins, on their first six made baskets, they were all assisted, which is really good because against Michigan State on Wednesday, the Bruins only finished with five assists. Now, what was different between those two teams, and Mick Cronin pointed this out, is that the Spartans like more of a zone defense 
almost forces you to to pass the rock around and lends itself to to maybe having the ability to bolster up your assist numbers. But against Michigan State, since they're a man-to-man defense, that you can find yourself getting caught in a habit of not passing and trying to kind of get a little bit too individual with the ball and doing too much with it. The defense also, you could see, taking some more strides. They were extending out further, pushing San Jose back out past the perimeter. There was some more trapping that was seen in this game as well. And the Bruins scored 46 points in the first half. They attempted only two threes in the first half. 46 points attempted only two threes. So the three-pointer does not, at this point, need to be, especially when you're playing inferior competition like the Spartans, need to be a a bigger deal on the court. Now, that's going to have to to show up more when you play against stiffer, stiffer competition, which the Bruins will have later in December. But now they've got a whole week off. They don't play their next game until next Sunday when they take on Denver. So they're, they're going to be able to regroup and work through a lot of things. More practice time, which Mick Cronin and, and coaches love. Mick Cronin also was really high on Treef O'Neill's defense. Still, he said as he has a lot to work on on the offensive end. Says he kind of gets excited when he gets the ball, and, and he kind of travels. He gets happy feet, but he loved the way he, he was rotating defensively and saw that that, that was better. But ultimately... Chris Smith said that there are still issues on defense, and it starts with talking more. That was what he said after the win against San Jose State, that still, you know, even though you have a blowout win and it was never close for the other team, that you still always look for ways to get better. And for him, he thought it was the communication and that that at some times has lulls which can affect the way this defense performs but ultimately Jaime Hawkes Jr. has been exceeding everyone's expectations and he is a pillar that the rest of the team can look to and it's it's amazing that this guy is just a freshman more with everything UCLA basketball tomorrow on the podcast also Devin Asiasi looking at how he quietly well, I don't know if it was quietly, but skyrocketed his talents on the football field as the tight end. Had a couple really nice games to cap off his junior campaign. But again, appreciate you all for joining us. I'm Brian Fenley.